Good morning. It is great to have you here. And as Ryan said, um, it's our last morning of normal sleep. Next week is the disruption, but that's okay. We welcome it, right? So it is great to have you here. And if you're a first-time guest, we say thanks for joining us and checking us out. We want you to know that this is a safe place. It's a place for you to come and just to check things out, to ask questions, to maybe make some new relationships, and just to see what it means to be on a journey of getting closer to Jesus um, last Sunday, we were not here. Uh, we were at the high school for Food for Kids, and I wanted to give you guys a quick update. A lot of you were able to go and serve, and Food for Kids is an organization that makes prepackaged meals that are easy to cook for families that are in need of some extra nutrition and don't have access to that. So basically, these are packets that they can dump out, put some boiling water in, and then they have a meal that will feed up to eight people. So the goal this year for Food for Kids was to raise 500,000 meals. And I want you to let you know that this year there were 504,064 meals that were made. And you can see on the screen how many of the oatmeal meals and the rice and beans were made. Oatmeal, those meals were only made in the first two-hour session. So those are a lot of packets being made and put together. So for everybody that was able to come and participate, for everybody that was able to support financially, and for those that have been lifting this organization up in prayer, we say thank you. Because approximately 150,000 are given to Dane County for our local families in need, and about 288,904, or exactly, uh, will be going overseas <laughs> to Haiti. Yeah, I didn't round too well there, did I? All right. So this morning, I need to see if any of you can recognize this. Oh, we need lots of volume, sorry. Are you getting it? Uh-huh, ready, wait for it. Under pressure. There we go. Under pressure. Pressure. Oh, from my perspective, I am laughing. There is such a generational divide going on right now. <laughs> there are those of us that are, and there's kids going, what is this? <laughs> so I'm sure if you are a human and you are breathing, you have been under pressure at some point. And we are kicking off our new series, and it is titled Pressure Points. And I'm sure some of you may have felt like our friendly egg figure um, being squeezed in the vice for many different reasons. This week, our pressure point that we're going to be tackling is real, and we're going to have some fun with it. You see, pressure points can be used for good, and they can be used for bad. They can be on our body, they can be in our body, they can be pressures around us. Acupuncture, for example, if done correctly, can feel absolutely fantastic. If it is done incorrectly, it can cause damage or pain that is not enjoyable. Pressure points can force us to do something. If we don't want to, sometimes they can force us to do something if we need to. They can also be used against us in unhealthy ways when we're not ready for it. The pressure point of real today, we're going to be looking at and talking about genuine and authentic. And advertising companies do a great job of trying to catch our attention and trying to reach those emotional subconscious connections so that we want to buy their products. Now, the problem comes when their advertisements are not necessarily always going to pass the 
honesty test. So if we were to actually have some ads that were honest about their products, let's take a peek and see what they might say. The first one, Werther's, the candy in every grandmother's purse, right? Fruit Loops, oh, any Fruit Loop lovers? My son's not in here. They all taste the same. Yep, next one. Macaroni and cheese, this tab will not open the box. <laughs> Parents everywhere are, <laughs> amen. Elmer's, we've all experienced this. Put it on your hands until it dries and then do what? Peel it off, off. uh-huh, hours of entertainment. Netflix, spend more time searching than actually watching. And Ikea, my favorite, we throw extra parts just to mess with you. So true, so very true. Honesty, it is best, and if those were the ads, we would not be buying those products. Although we did figure out Kraft lied to us a long time ago. Now, here's another picture. If you take a look at this, we know that it's Parmesan cheese. And if you take a look at the red box, it says 100% real, grated Parmesan, no fillers. So let me ask you, 100% real is what's trying to grab your attention. What is 100% real? The grated? The Parmesan? The no fillers? Do we actually know with that labeling what we're getting? We're not 100% sure on that. In fact, if we were to have authentic, original Parmesan cheese, it's going to be very different than that version. The original, authentic Italian cheese comes from Italy, and it's actually called, and I'm going to blow this, so if you're Italian, I'm sorry, Parmigiano-Reggiano. And it is so authentic that it has to be made in a very specific region, and it has to be limited to the three very specific ingredients. It has to come from the Parma-Reggio region, it has to come from cows in that region that are 20 hours or less from cow to cheese. It can include salt and rennet, which is a natural enzyme from calf intestine. Mmm, run out and grab some cheese now. Actually, it's really tasty and it's worth it. The cheese is formed by using pressure, and when the final product passes inspection, it has to pass inspection after all of this, it gets stamped on the rind with the name, the location, and the date that it was made so that you know it is 100% authentic the way it is supposed to be. If we look at the two side by side, it's pretty easy to see the difference. Pretty sure the 100% was not speaking to what the Parmesan name should mean. So it is not authentic. It has more ingredients. It's cheaper to make. They can make it in mass quantities much faster. And we feel good about buying it because it says real on the package. So does that really matter? I would say if you want to know what a truly tasty, delicious bite of Parmesan cheese should be like, it absolutely matters which one you're going to pick and eat. I would willingly pay the extra to go for the authentic parm because it's going to affect our food and it's going to affect our taste buds and our overall enjoyment of our meal. Now, the same question can be applied to us. Not are you Parmesan cheese, but the 100% real. 
Are you living a life and giving of yourself in a way that is the authentic 100% Italian Parmesan variety? Or are you sharing a faux parm version of yourself? That's a hard question. Are we the powdered version or are we the authentic? And you see what I did there was pretty cheesy. <laughs> Most of us want to be the Parmigiano Reggiano or called the king of cheese. We want to be seen as delightful and worthy of the extra cost and the extra investment. We want to be the life of the party. We want to bring the full flavor wherever we go. We want our image to be expensive and worthy, and we want to do what we can to maintain it. But if we are honest, if we get real with ourselves, most of us, even though our image may say Parmigiano Reggiano, are offering the powdered version when we go about our daily life. We are offering things that are easy and readily accepted by other people, that costs us less time to get involved and to do things, less effort to be completely real and authentic, and we're not even sure sometimes what our 100% authentic is. What we offer of ourselves, whether it is the king of cheese or the faux parm, will impact every relationship that we have. It doesn't matter if we're interacting with a gas station attendant, a coworker, or our closest family and friends. There's different vulnerability levels, don't get me wrong. I'm not asking you to go to the gas station and start telling them about all of your private health problems right now. They're not going to appreciate you and you won't make their day. But I am saying how we interact with them matters. We can be 100% authentic and still be appropriate at our vulnerability level. Our relationships matter because God has created us for relationship. And I don't think he means the, hi, how are you doing? I'm fine, transaction as we pass in the hallway. You see, we're created in God's image and God naturally has relationship. He has natural relationship through the Trinity, which is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You see, that's already naturally created. We're created into his image which means because he has and desires relationship, we are created for relationship. And so it matters. In fact, it matters so much that God stated why in the beginning, in Genesis. In Genesis 2.18, it tells us, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, God was not looking forward and saying man cannot do the dishes or his own laundry without coming up with pink shirts. What he was saying was, it is not good for man to be alone. You see, up until this point, everything God had created was finished with, it is good. And we get to this point where Adam is by himself, and God says, this is not good. Being alone is not good. God created us to need relationships, and yet that pressure point comes in that we have to deal with people in order to be in relationships. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, I would like or love my job if it weren't for the people? <laughs> right? 
Because honestly, people can rub us the wrong way. It's a true statement, and it can bother us, but it's true. And to avoid this rub, we have taken advantage of some technological, technological, whoop, I even did vocal warm-ups this morning. Yes, my kids were wondering. Some technological advances that are fantastic when we use them correctly. But see if this might fit any of you. We're no longer dependent on each other for our basic needs, like going to the river to wash our clothes, to do dishes, to get together to gather crops or to process food. Instead, we've gotten to the point where we can order our food in, prepared or raw. We can sit on our TV and pick any entertainment that we want to watch. We can communicate with friends through screens, or if we don't want to even communicate, we can simply scroll through our feeds and see how everybody's doing and get our updates that way. We can walk into our house, and as soon as we close the door, we don't have to interact with anybody, because if we want to go somewhere, we can leave our garage and come back without ever seeing anybody. We can stay inside and do everything we need to survive without leaving the comfort and security of our home. But what happens when we do that is we no longer have face-to-face conversations. We no longer pick up the phone to check in and see how somebody's doing because we read it on a screen. We no longer ask, how are you doing, because we've isolated ourselves within our homes. You see, technology can be great, but when it becomes isolating, it's not good. God even gave us insight into why we need other people in our lives. It's not a suggestion, it's a need. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, it says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. When we are isolated and alone of our own making or because of circumstances beyond our control, it is not good. You see, there's even studies that show that we're lonelier now despite all of our connectedness with our technology. And there are longitudinal studies that have proven over and over without significant supportive relationships We have more, listen to this, psychological dysfunctions, more health problems, and we die sooner. Not a good indicator that we should be alone. You see, we're living a faux authentic life when we do not have someone close enough to us to know what is going on in our lives, to be able to connect with, to be able to talk with, and to be able to support us. Speaker and author Jenny Allen says that we live beside each other, but we're not really entrenched in each other's lives. Think about that statement for a moment. We live beside each other, but we're not entrenched in each other's lives. In other words, we're living our lives parallel. I'll do my thing, you do your thing, and I can see you, but we're not interacting. God is calling us to live perpendicular. I'm doing this because of the kids in the room. You're making sure I'm doing it correctly. Perpendicular, we're meant to intersect our lives. We are meant to have relationship. 
Parallel, we do our own thing. Perpendicular is where we intersect. And as a result of our parallel living, we're missing out on key nutritional ingredients that are necessary for our lives. Because you see, genuine relationships where we bring our true selves and somebody else brings their true selves to them provide nutrition that we need to be happy and to be able to interact with each other. During this series, we're going back to a thing we had tried before, and you guys did fantastic. We ask you a question each week to get your feedback. The question this week, in case you missed it, was what holds you back from being completely genuine or transparent with other people? This can be as easy or as hard as you make it. Reading the answers, some of you really thought about this. Some of you didn't have to think about it at all, and it just came out. But you know what? There were a lot of great, honest answers. And this was one that I had to answer myself. Because as much as we're different, we're all the same. The full two pages of answers that were single-lined lumped into some pretty major categories across the board. One of them that holds us back are fears. Fears is a big one. Fear of being misunderstood, fear of being hurt, fear of hurting other people, fear of not being good enough or not accepted. Those hold us back from being our genuine, authentic selves. Insecurities. If they only really knew my past, if they knew all of my brokenness, they would not want me. I don't want to share my brokenness. I don't want to expose my hurts. I would rather not be seen as less than perfect. And lastly, we function, we focus on the functional aspects. Things that need to be done. What can I do for you? Things like that, instead of focusing on the relational. All of these are real, all of these are valid, and all of these, every single person in this room has at least one, if not more of. We don't get away in this life without experiencing any of these boundaries that create barriers. So, now that we've established all of us are broken, and you guys are wondering how much deeper we're going to dive, let me know that this is okay. The good news is that we are all broken. We're in it together. The even better news is that we can get beyond these barriers to create authentic relationships if we try. When we feel the pressure, when a pressure point gets pushed in our lives, it magnifies the barriers that we're experiencing. It makes us realize more intensely what we're trying to deal with or what we're trying to avoid. You see, a lot of times, our past dictates our future. We say, because this has happened to me, it's going to impact everything I do from this point forward. And the truth is, that doesn't have to happen. I have a video clip that I'm going to show you in just a moment, but I need to set something up for you first. In this scene, 
one of the characters is coming out of a flashback where she's realizing when she was little, she was hurt, and she felt unworthy of something that she wanted, and she feels like the situation now is not fair, that what she wants, another person is getting, and it is completely unfair. I'm sure we've all been in that situation at some point. The other person is trying their best to do what they need to to fit in, but it's not working out quite right. So go ahead and watch this and see what happens. And now he has a chance to make things right, to train the true dragon warrior. And he's stuck with you. A big, fat panda who treats it like a joke. Oh, that is it! Wait! My fault! I accidentally tweaked his facial nerve! And may have also stopped his heart. Okay, you guys are not laughing enough at that. Oh my gosh. That is one of my absolute favorite scenes. And when we're talking about pressure points... Holy cow, I think Mantis found everyone possible and then some on Poe. But you see, we've all been there. We've either been Tigress, where she's extremely hurt and angry and she's lashing out. She's saying things that are hurtful and mean because of her loss. Or we've been Poe, where we're trying to fit into a situation and it's just not working out right. And we're getting lashed out for just trying to be ourselves. Or maybe you're like the two that are in the background. You may not even notice them. They're like peeking through the door, watching what happens because they really want to see, but they don't want to get involved in that relationship. We've all been at some point in that video one of those people. You see, when we have pressure points that get exposed under the magnifying glass, it exposes the hurt and the loss and the deep fears that are unfulfilled even more. But it can be a good thing because it can help us step into addressing them. We know that Poe became the dragon warrior because there's Kung Fu Panda 2, of course, (laughs) right? But it did not happen until Poe was able to realize himself that he could live into what he had been created to be. And Tigress realized that her strengths of being supportive and being able to defend others were the gifts she had been given to use. They had to be real and transparent themselves with who they were, and they had to bring that to the team in order to work together to achieve the goal that needed to happen. When we don't bring our authentic selves, when we live a life that is faux parm of wanting it to be easy and to fit in and to be natural, but not real, we're missing out. You see, our worth does not come from titles. Our worth does not come from what we can do. Our worth comes from who we're created to be. So why should we invest in genuine relationships? The first reason is that we need these relational nutrients to be healthy. I said earlier that the relational nutrients are necessary to be happy, but they're also necessary for us to be healthy and to be energetic. Dr. Townsend is a name you may recognize if you've read any of the Boundaries books that he's co-written with Dr. Henry Cloud. He has a new book out that is called People Fuel, 
and it is extremely enlightening and insightful, and it is very helpful. He did the research that showed us that we need these relational nutrients. In fact, his research identified 22 relational ingredients, nutrients, that we need, and they can only come from face-to-face relational interactions. They don't come through a screen. Some of these nutrients are things such as acceptance and affirmation, validation for the experiences we've had, helping to convey the good in something and respecting others, offering encouragement, believing in the other person when they don't believe in themselves, becoming self-aware, and processing why we do things. Those are just some of the nutrients that we need. And we do need them. Another important aspect that is really, really hard for us is we need to acknowledge personally we need to need. Think about that for a minute. We need to need. We need to need others in our lives. We need to be authentic. We need to get what we need in order to be healthy. Look at it from this perspective. A lot of times we have the superhero mentality or personality. I will take care of all of you. I will take care of all of the problems and I will reveal nothing about myself. I will keep it hidden. That is not a need to need. That is a false perception that we can take care of anything and everything and ourselves without the help of anyone else. By actually being a little bit selfish and sharing with others what we need, asking them to do life with us, helps us become more healthy and more effective in anything we want to do. So the question you might be asking yourself, and it's one that I ask myself quite a lot, is if we need these relationships, and if they need to be significant in order to get these nutritional elements, how do I find them if I don't have it? Some of you are natural relationship builders. It is as easy for you as saying, I'm going to coffee, and people flock to you to be there. Some of us are the other extreme. We deeply desire significant relationships, but it is not easy to find. We have to get past our barriers. So here's a way that Dr. Townsend said is tried and true in order to try to create these relationships. And it's not very difficult, actually. The first thing you're going to do is go through your contact list. Okay, get back on your screen now. Sorry. Go through your contact list. You have hundreds and hundreds of names in there. Scroll through and identify seven to ten that you think might be a good connection. You've either started a relationship with them or someone you think may have good influences. It can be for different reasons. You can be looking for companionship, camaraderie, coworkers to develop a relationship with, or something as significant as trying to find a coach or a mentor for an area of your life. It works for all of these levels. Identify seven to ten people, and then what you do is pick one person to start with. And what you're going to do is say, hey, I haven't seen you for a while, I haven't talked for you for a while, would you like to get coffee or lunch? Let's just meet and hang out, catch up. And so if they say yes, you're on to the next step. Woohoo, success. You have lunch, and during this lunch, keep it casual. Talk, catch up, do what you said you were going to do. And at some point, drop one 
vulnerable offering. Hey, my kid's kind of struggling with this uh, high school transition. Hey, I'm not doing so hot today. Feeling kind of crummy. Keep it light, but vulnerable. And you're going to get one of three responses. The first one's going to be, hey, that weather is cold today, and we are getting snow next week, I heard. Um, keep moving. Finish your lunch. Say thank you. They're a nice person, but not what you need. The second person might be like, oh, sorry to hear that. You know what? I read this fantastic book, and if you go on this blog post, they'll give you some information for that. And there might be a conference coming up. I went to this one last year, and it was fantastic. Try those things. Okay, that's good advice, but that's not what you're looking for. This person's not looking to invest into you or you into them. So keep moving. The third response you're going to get might be, really? I'm sorry to hear that. I, I didn't know that. Or tell me some more. I understand. I'm going through that as well. You know there's a possibility with this person. So then what you do is schedule a next lunch date, drop something that's a little more vulnerable, see how they respond again. You're going to try this three or four times if it seems to be working. By the time you get to about that fourth lunch and that fourth conversation where you've gotten a little bit more vulnerable each time, you're going to know if that person is really looking to be invested with you in a relationship or not. If that person is willing to be invested with you, it's time for you to be completely honest with them. Hey, I'm looking at trying to improve some of the relationships in my life. I'm looking for someone that's willing to do life with me. Would you be willing to do that with me on a consistent basis where we can get together and talk about whatever it is you need to talk about. Set a limit for that. You're not talking about everything because nobody has that much lunchtime. But hey, would you talk with me on this? Can you keep me accountable maybe on this? Would you be willing to share? And chances are extremely good that if you make it through those four lunches and the vulnerability is getting deeper, that that person's going to say, you know what, I would love to. I don't have that kind of a relationship in my life right now either, and yeah, I could absolutely use that as well. Let me tell you, friends, it can seem intimidating, but when you find the person that connects with you, it is worth it. I found a vulnerable connection recently that was not intentional, and the only reason that connection happened was because I said something that was vulnerable, and it was well-received, and reciprocated, and conversation was encouraged. And I can tell you what, that one lunch investment in my life has brought health and joy and perspective that was missing because we need those relationships. I'm not saying you need 10 of them. I'm saying you need two to four significant people in your life that you can be authentic and vulnerable with. If you don't have it, keep trying. The other news that is great is that God designed us to need support from him and people. I'm not just making this up. God is very specific that he provides for our vertical needs through himself through time in prayer, through reading the Bible, 
through asking the Holy Spirit to guide us, by asking Jesus into our life. God is with us all of the time. He provides our vertical needs. But he also created us to need people to fill the horizontal needs. You see, we get stuck sometimes thinking that when I have a problem, God is the only one I need to go to. He will fix everything, and that will be completely fine. Now, that statement is true. God is what you need. But the rest of that, you need to realize God also will work through the people in our lives to help provide for our needs. We need both. Not one, not one, both in order to have truly healthy, nutritional, invested relationships. He tells us in Matthew 26, 37 through 38, that this is our model from Jesus. Jesus took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. I don't know about you, but that is not faux parm level. That is a real and authentic 100%. Jesus told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He is asking these three men to be with him in his greatest, deepest anguish. He's Jesus, you guys. He's perfect. But yet he's asking humans in relationship with him to be with him and to support him. Jesus had invested in these three, and then he went to the next level where he had his 12 disciples that were with him, and he invested in them. The three were part of the 12. And then he had the next level that he invested in and had relationship with, which would be his general disciples, people that were learners that followed him around and heard his teachings. And then there were the people that he just came across once in their life. He was real and authentic. He was transparent with all of them. It is possible. We're not going to do it perfect like Jesus, which is why we hit those snags in our relationships, but we need to keep trying. When we don't offer our full, authentic selves, we actually limit what God can do through us. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it tells us that God has given each of you, stop and say I there, God has given me, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve yourself. Is that what it says? No. Use them to serve one another. You see, what we have been given, what we have been created to be, what we've been crafted to be, is unique and intentional in God's design. And he gives us these gifts when we choose to believe his son died for our sins to use to serve other people. And that is where we can have relationship. We're not supposed to hold back because we're imperfect. We're not supposed to hold back because we don't want to do it or we think something bad might happen. We're called to be in relationship and it takes work and intentionality. You see, one of the greatest examples I can give you is last year we started a group called Club 56. And this is a student life group. We tell you guys to get involved in life groups. We created life groups for our youth. And this one is specifically for fifth and sixth graders. 
And so there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of fun, but I felt strongly that we needed to get ahead of the social emotional barriers that creep up in these years. Ones that you and I still struggle with as adults. Things like being insecure or embarrassed or not wanting to try, guarded or perfectionistic. These are things that they start noticing and feeling in fifth and sixth grade. So what we did was we came up with five guidelines that we repeat at the beginning of each session. We meet for an hour on Sunday nights. And we go over them and over them and over them until they become ingrained in the kids because they are this important. And the first two are usually pretty easy for the kids to get and understand. The first one's be responsible to God, to yourself, and others for things like your words and your actions and your attitudes. Those are things that we need to be responsible for. The second one is you need to be respectful because we're in a group. You need to be respectful to people and you need to be respectful to things because fifth and sixth grade boys and a couch somehow equals a trampoline. <laughs> and there's a lot of them thinking it's a trampoline. So they get those. It's the third and the fourth that usually trip them up and take them a few times to get into their brains and hopefully down to their hearts. The third one we ask of them is this, be real. And they look at me kind of like you do, like I have horns growing out of my head and I have like a twisted nose, but we want them to be real. And when we say be real in our group, this is what we mean, be honest. Don't do and say things to try to impress your neighbors. Try to grow. They need to hear this. Try to grow. The fourth thing ties directly into that. We tell them, be brave. Be brave. We all need to hear this. We tell them, ask questions. Make mistakes. We tell them that every single week. Make a mistake. Try. I want you to mess up. Why? Because when we take that risk and we mess up, we learn from it. And the truth of the matter is, none of us get it right 100% of the time. We are all growing. None of us know exactly what this journey of growing to be more like Christ is like. We don't get the end result until we get to be with Jesus. So ask questions. Be brave. If you feel like you're going to be stupid, that's great. We're all doing it. Join the crowd, right? Positive peer pressure. It's a lifelong journey. And the last one we tell them is have fun. And this is important because we're learning about God and the Bible and relationships. And those things can be hard and heavy, but we make it fun. And they love it. They want to come. They want to participate because we do games and we make it fun. If you find one of our Club 56ers from last year, ask them about the box and what the Trinity is. I bet they can give you an answer. God is above me. Jesus is beside me. The Holy Spirit is in me. We make it fun so that they can learn to interact and depend on each other, but they can also grow at the same time. And so that's the challenge that I want to put out to you. As adults, as preteens, as teens, it matters for all of us. Are you willing to take a risk and to be brave 
and to be real in order to get what you need relationally and in order to offer what someone else needs relationally. You see, at the end of group, I tell them up front, every week I'm going to ask you guys, who wants to be brave and close us in prayer? And I can tell you what, that question will silence any room immediately. <laughs> immediately. It does not matter if you are fifth grade or if you are 50 years old, the room goes to crickets. So in order to get them to do it, here's what we do. We bribe them. <laughs> Candy is a great equilibrator. We tell them, if you are willing to be brave and try, even if you mess up, you'll get a piece of candy. And so this year for our first session, we had our newbies in, and I'm trying to just get a sense of the room, and I'm like, at the end, who wants to pray? And I didn't preface it with you get candy. Only there is one that's a sixth grader this year going, pray, pray, you want to pray, you're going to get candy, pray, pray. I'm like, will you be quiet? because this one prays all the time for us. So pretty soon there's six hands up in the air and they're fighting over who gets to pray because they get candy. You know what? I will gladly give them a one cent piece of candy if they will pray out loud, if they will answer a question and get it wrong, if they will answer a question and get it right because they've been practicing. Our journey about learning what it means to be a Christian and to grow closer to Jesus is all about practice, friends. We're not designed to do it together. We're designed to do it in relationship. So today, your challenge is to look at yourself and do an assessment. Are you giving from an empty tank? Are you in a relationship where you can get your tank filled? If either one of those answers are no, I would encourage you to take that first step of trying to change that. See where you can begin creating a relationship, and all it takes is making that first ask. And you know what? If that one doesn't work out, make a second ask. It's not going to take you long if you're praying and asking God to lead you to the right person, and you are your true self and you're authentic about it. I want you to also assess what you are giving in your relationships. Are you giving a faux parm version of yourself, or are you giving the Parmigiano Reggiano, the king of cheese? Because it matters. It will change the flavor of everything you invest in. So we're going to close in prayer. And um, I would encourage you to be brave this week and to remind you to do that. On your way out, you may take a piece of candy because it is that important. Jesus, we thank you that you love us.